What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Raise, raise. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's Graves. A 5-1 win for the Golden Knights last night. But we start with Grady's grades and your favorite topic, the Minnesota Wilds uniforms. You're going to be surprised because you've made me at least think about being a Jersey guy. A++ pass. A++ pass. Okay, obviously kind of a... uh, little Minnesota North Stars hearkening back. But I will say this. If you watched the other day, and I just saw highlights of it because you got to watch the, uh, you know, the uh, surprise team in the West. You have to admit, if you saw this at all, <laughs> if you saw this at all, the, Nor- the, the, the Wild with their reverse retros against the Purple Kings, that's by far the best I've seen in terms of a game. Of the old time with the huge crown on the Kings crest. There, no one's outdoing that game between this one between the Wild and the Kings. No, look at you, look yeah. at you go. Oh, yeah. You are you are watching other games yes. and paying attention yes. to the Jersey yes. matchups. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think you might be a full time convert now. I think uh, we've not got full time, but I'm getting there. We've got you. I mean, you just you watched a Kings Wild game, and your takeaway was this is a great Jersey <laughs> yes, matchup. Exactly. I guess. Doesn't get any better oh, than that. There's no the the purple Kings one with the crown. Forget about it. I I, I don't care. Don't, don't don't show them any red or anything like that nonsense. <laughs> Nothing like the purple of the Kings. All right, my grade for the Minnesota Wild jersey last night is a B. B. Ooh. Now the green looks spectacular. They're excellent jerseys. I just have one complaint. And that's the jersey numbers are kind of hard to read on TV because they're bright yellow. So they're not as, you can read them. They're not as bad as the the Henderson Silver Knights jerseys where you can't read what the numbers are. But to get an A, you've got to have like readable numbers on the jerseys as well. So overall, phenomenal jerseys, but only a B because I can't really read the numbers on them. B. Next topic for you. The Golden Knights not wearing their gold helmets last night. Okay, so you have to stay with me here, and I'm probably wrong, so you'll correct me, but just stay with me here. I'm going to say F-minus fail. F-minus fail. But I'm doing that, and F-minus fail goes to the organization, because I believe this is the only jersey they haven't worn those helmets with, and this would have confirmed everyone's suspicion of, I believe, that the, the helmets stink anyway. So we've seen them with the red. I think we've seen them with the dark. We have not seen them with the gold, right? Uh, when did we see him with the red? Oh, I think we've seen him with, I think we haven't seen him. I don't want to say we've seen him with gold. If that's true. And again, I might complete this. This might make no sense because I might be completely wrong with this. I thought the gold with the gold would have even, even confirmed my suspicions even more that the gold helmets are truly awful. So, all right. Your thought process here is, is right on because my grade is also an F. F. Not because I want to see the gold helmets, because those things are kind of painful. Incomplete. But (laughs) they need to wear them with the gold uniforms so that we all see how terrible they are and they never wear them again. 
That was because, my yeah. It's, it's more in the organization because the problem with the gold helmets is that it is not the same gold as the any of the gold on any of the uniforms, and that will be exemplified so well when they wear the gold jerseys with the gold helmets because it'll be two completely different golds, and it's all yes. you'll be able to notice. That's it. So absolutely, they need to wear them with the gold jerseys so we can see how bad it looks. And hopefully, they never wear them again, even though they came back to beat Minnesota in them, and that might have saved them. They need to wear them with the gold jerseys. Everybody will complain, and then maybe they'll stop wearing them forever. That was the worst thing they didn't. The best was Marcia saw on the Zoom talking around it. I'm not going to criticize the organization. <laughs> they were a little hard at first. I mean, it's like, okay, that's like Mayock saying, we believe in Derek Carr, and but, you know, people might call me. I mean, it's great when people talk around, like, direct questions. What do you think of the, about the gold helmets? I'm not going to criticize the organization. Incomplete. <laughs> All right, next topic. Alex Tuck. Well, uh, you know what? Having only, you know, I was going back and forth between basketball and hockey. I will say A. A. He, I think he had a goal and an assist. He's already has more goals than he did last year, which is, you know, 20-something games in. Uh, my guess is uh, he had a good rating last night. You're going to obviously follow up with the exact stats, but just on what I saw, I will give him an A. A. For the season, Alex Tuck probably does deserve an A. For last night, he gets a C. Uh, C. He did score a goal and have an assist, and that's the only reason he's passing, because the third line last night was brutal. Like, they were not on the ice for hardly any chances or any shots for the Golden Knights. And the assist didn't even come with the third line. The assist came to Jonathan Marsh, so after a power play, the Lions are... It it was right afterwards when the Lions are a little different. when he came up, yeah. But the third line last night, their Corsi was 30%. Their expected goals was 16%. Like, they, they didn't do anything well last night except for the one goal. Now, scoring goals is important, so that's why he still gets a C here. But, like, the third line's been competent this season. It's not it's, – it's been good. It's been fun. Like, it's been the best third line in the history of the organization because Cody Eakin's not there. But they can't have those performances very often because if you get those performances from the third line where every time they're on the ice, the other team is dominating shots and, and possession – then Pete DeBoer is going to have to break up his top six to try to fix the third line, and that's what becomes an issue. Also, where is Nick Waugh? Why is Keegan Colasar taking Nick yeah. Waugh's ice time? Give yeah, us some Nick people, Waugh. A lot of people are wondering that Check. around the organization. They ask I mean, the questions on the Zoom. Where's Nicky Waugh? It's, listen, you look at the lineup last night, and I would argue that Nick Waugh was scratched while four players that are worse than him played ahead of him in William Carrier, Tomas Nosek, Ryan Reeves, and Keegan Colasar. I think Nick Waugh is better than all four of them, and for some reason he's the one getting scratched, and all four of those guys get to stay in the lineup. I don't understand it. Where's Nick Waugh? I, I think the most fascinating one of those four is Ryan Reeves and what they would eventually do with him, or as I think you said in the rundown earlier, and I think, this, I think there's a lot of truth to that, is he too popular to sit? It's too good. Everybody loves him too much. He's got a beer. Next topic to grade. Well, check. Yeah. Can we can we grade the beer? I'll give you my son's grade on it. Go ahead. Check minus. <laughs> What's your son's grade on seven five brewing? Ah. Oh. If there's ten, if there's ten lined up, he's drinking nine first. <laughs> now that's my son, because we're minus. positive here about the beer. That's a. my son. He has nothing to do with the grades or what we're talking about. Check okay. minus. Next topic. 
The Minnesota Wild Power Play. Check plus. F minus fail minus. F minus fail minus. Have they scored on the power play more than like three or four <laughs> times this year? I, I, I Again, I was switching back between basketball. The one power play I saw, they had no shots. Then they got one right after that where they had three or four. I think Fleury made a nice pad save, but... Uh, you know, you're going to give me the numbers. I just need to know they've only scored like three or four times to know it's the power play is not any good. They are five of 66 on the year. Oh, fail. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> now, Jeez. fail. I'm going to actually give a grade to the Golden Knights penalty kill because they yes. killed 22 of 23. Check. Uh, plus. They get, a, they get an A plus. A uh, the, plus. The penalty kill has been incredible. Um, and what's interesting, there's a couple interesting parts about the penalty kill. Number one, they weren't very good killing penalties last year under Gerard Gallant. Pete DeBoer, this is something he's kind of known for. Every team yes. he goes to tends to have a good penalty kill. And right now, like, they're phenomenal. So Pete DeBoer, in a sense, has helped fix what was a problem last season. But if you look at the the, the team numbers on the penalty kill, they have the third best save percentage in the NHL when shorthanded. So Marc-Andre Fleury has been excellent killing penalties. He's been better killing penalties than he has at five on five almost. So he's been excellent in that department, but they're also top seven in terms of fewest shots and fewest high danger chances allowed per minute. So this penalty killing unit, they don't give up a lot of shots. They don't give up a lot of great chances. And when they do, Flurry's been one of the best in the league at stopping them. Like that is all around dominance by the Golden Knights penalty kill. Will they stay this good the entire season? No, but there's reason to think they're going to go into the playoffs with one of the five best penalty kills in all of hockey, and that could be a big reason why they actually win some playoff series. Yeah. No, they're, so, they're great on the penalty kill. I let the, I did see those numbers as well. I'm a numbers guy now. Check. Numbers guy. Numbers and jersey. Yeah. Numbers and jerseys. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Last one for you. The Minnesota Wild scratching Zach Parise for missing a line change. Oh. Uh, C F minus C F minus. What does so, that mean? Check well, minus. So, okay, this is a tough one. Like, I'm gonna say that they're trying to make a statement here. I'll give the team a C. They're trying to make a statement. Like, you know, you got to play for the team. You you can't stay out longer than we want you to. If we're shifting, you got to shift. But Zach Parisi gets the F for this reason. You should never stay out longer for the exact reason of, I want to get that guy a hat trick. And that was his reasoning. Like, hey, buddy, I'm going to get you the hat trick. It's like, yeah, win the game. Like, if Jimmy doesn't get the hat trick, but you get the two points, it's probably more important. But that when he said that, he's like, I told him on the bench, and I'm going to get him to you if I, if I can find you. It's like, I don't think that should be your number one goal. So that guy gets an F. Yeah, if, they got, if they got the hat trick, they would have won the game. He would have. Well, yeah, but you don't go out there specifically. I mean, if he gets it, he gets it. But you don't. You don't stay out longer or do something you wouldn't normally do just to get him after. That sounded like what the quote sounded like. Like I told him, I'm going to get this for you. Okay, if it comes in the natural progression of the game, good for him. But I don't think you jump on the ice or stay out there longer because Jimmy needs the hat trick. I'm saying Jimmy, not knowing what the hell guy, the guy's name is, but uh, Jimmy sounds good. <laughs> so I'm going to have to give an incomplete here. Jimmy Harden. <laughs> incomplete <laughs> because this seems like an extremely harsh punishment where a player missed a line change and they scratch him in the next game because i have to imagine that happens nearly every game right like guys are gonna miss line changes all the time yeah but on and purpose 
I mean, I, I guess Man. on purpose. I mean, how? Yeah, I, I, I guess it does too. There's got to be times where, hey, we want a line change and somebody stays out there because they think they got a chance to score. I, I just can't imagine it's that uncommon that guys miss line changes. And so to scratch the guy for it, I almost feel like there's got to be more to this. Like there had to have been something else that has happened in the past where they're not happy with something Zach Parise has done. And this was more like, you know, the final straw as opposed to the only straw that's, you know, you can't ever do that. Because again, this has to happen all the time. And not everybody's getting healthy scratched for this. Are you suggesting Tuck sees uh, Reeves jumping over and says, no, no, no. I mean, he should. That would actually be good. Like, Alex Tuck should be promoted to head coach if he did that. So that's exactly what should happen. Yeah. So, again, it probably does. But, again, yeah, we'll see. Well, I so. assume that there's also this happens out of, like, just ignorance. Like, you just look around and go, wait, this you're, you're not supposed to be out here. None of you guys are supposed to be. Oh, I'm not supposed to be out here. Yeah, I mean, it it has to happen on a regular basis, and guys don't get healthy scratched for it all the time. So, I don't know. I There's got there's just got to be more to it. Like, that can't be the first problem with Zach Parise this year. And they were like, sit down. We can't no, have I mean, you doing that. What's, did they say, it was it, you have it down here, it's the first time he's been healthy scratched in nine years. Yeah, yeah, he's been in Minnesota I mean, for a long time. He signed, like a, he signed like a 13-year deal a few, uh, long time ago. So, uh, yeah, like there's got to be more to this. That's all I'm saying. There's got to be more to this. They're not healthy scratching Zach Parise because he missed one line change, even if it did lead to the game-tying goal. You're not healthy scratching that guy for one line change. There's got to be more going on there. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs as we take a big-picture look at why San Diego State is so much better than UNLV. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. Bischoff's Briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's Briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's Briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. Oh, Bischoff's Briefs is going in time today. Because back in 2013, UNLV and San Diego State both made the NCAA tournament. UNLV was actually a five seed, although they lost in the opening round to Cal. Uh, five Mountain West teams actually made the NCAA tournament that year. But since 2013, the two programs have taken a much uh, different trajectory. So in 2013, both teams made the NCAA tournament, and it was the fourth straight time that both of those teams were in the NCAA tournament. Since then, UNLV has not been to the NCAA tournament. They haven't even been on the bubble or made the NIT. And San Diego State, they're going to make it this year. It'll be the fourth time in eight years they will have been to the NCAA tournament. And really, it should be five because they would have made the NCAA tournament had it been played last year. So we're looking at over the last eight years, five teams worthy of making the NCAA tournament for San Diego State, while UNLV has had zero. Now, if you try to figure out why the hell this has happened, it's kind of hard to figure out because San Diego State and UNLV both spend about the same amount of money on basketball. If you look at basketball budgets, Nevada Sportsnet usually has a story every year to compile them. The most recent data 
UNLV was number one in the conference in basketball budget, $5.79 million. San Diego State's second, $5.78 million. They're spending basically the same budget-wise on the sport of basketball. If you look at coach pay, it's not like San Diego State's willing to pay their coaches more. Brian Dutcher's got an extension that's uh, six years in total. He's only making 930000 this year, but it's going to escalate to $1.5 million by the end of it. Otzelberger's making one point two this year, and his jumps up to one point five by the end of the deal. So if you look at budget, if you look at willingness to spend on on coaches, UNLV's doing just as much, actually more than San Diego State does. And then if you look at things like talent and recruiting classes, you look at the last seven recruiting classes. UNLV's been ranked higher than San Diego State five of those seven times. So every year. Recruiting ranking-wise, UNLV's bringing in talent that's comparable, if not better, than what San Diego State is bringing in. Yes, some of those players have been bust. Brandon McCoy couldn't defend anybody. Steven Zimmerman couldn't finish at the rim. Like, they've certainly brought in guys that were overrated, but Christian Woods having a good NBA career. Pat McCaw has been a rotation player and, and been on the teams that have won championships. Derek Jones Jr. is a rotation player. They've had NBA-level players at UNLV. But none of them have actually helped them get to an NCAA tournament. There's no real reason to look at the last eight years of basketball and see that San Diego State is a consistent winner, consistently at the top of the Mountain West, and consistently going to the NCAA tournament, while UNLV can't do any of those things. While UNLV, they're not contenders in the conference, and they're not contenders to make the NCAA tournament any of these years. And I think what it ultimately comes down to is the coach. I think that's what we're looking at here. San Diego State had its greatest coach ever in Steve Fisher. And then he handed the program over to Brian Dutcher. And to be honest, these last two years of San Diego State basketball, it might be the best two-year stretch of San Diego State basketball ever. Because last year's team, you could argue, was better than the Kawhi Leonard team. And then this year's team is pretty much better than any other non-Kawhi Leonard team that Steve Fisher had. So, This might be the best two-year stretch of Aztec basketball. Brian Dutcher has done a tremendous job. Meanwhile, you look at UNLV's coaches that they've had in that time span. Uh, Dave Rice was one of them. Dave Rice was an excellent recruiter. The actual coaching or or creating a team didn't seem to work out very well. Dave Rice is still coaching in basketball. He's an assistant, but he has not gotten another head coaching job because it doesn't appear as though that many other schools really view him as a great head coaching candidate. Marvin Menzies. He's not even coaching basketball this season, right? Grand Canyon didn't retain him. He got moved over to special assistant to the president because he still had a year on his contract. So Marvin Menzies was the UNLV basketball coach, and no other school in the country even wanted to have him coach their team this year. So you're looking at the guys they hired and just look at where they are now. They're not exactly tearing anything up in college basketball. And that leaves us with TJ Otzelberger, who, granted, he did beat San Diego State last season, ended their unbeaten run, but... He has not had a great second year, and Otzelberger is going to be under pressure next year, or we might be talking about who's the next head coach at UNLV. So it's been like, you look at the coaches UNLV's had, none of them have been good enough to turn what is the money that UNLV spends on basketball and the recruits that pretty much all of them have been able to get into an actual winner, into a consistent winner that can challenge in this conference and can go to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's where the blame lies. It lies on the coaches 
that keep coming to UNLV and keep coming up short, while San Diego State has had two really good coaches back-to-back. Guys on mute. <laughs> Tyler, you there? I am. Are you? What's happening? I Where don't, is Ed? I don't know. He's still on the call at the very least. We heard you heard him, right? Well, I heard yes. him. There he is. Ed, can you hear us? <laughs> what what's going on? Why? Oh, okay. Ed just texted us let's, that let's, he can't hear anything. Let's go to break early and uh or actually wait, so uh you were saying stuff about uh Rice? Dave Rice Todd Simon Chris Hello? Beard Hey, can you hear us? Hello? All right, let's go to break. <laughs> Coming up next, hopefully Ed's here and J.R. Starkus joins the show. I was yelling the whole time. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Key account executive, Southern Glaciers Wine Spirits and Nevada Mixologist. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus, Instagram, JR Makes Drinks. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not happy. I was yelling <laughs> at my computer for four minutes, and then, well, at, at 9.24, I said, boy, Jared's taking this long break. Tyler will never get the briefs in. And now I now I realize I, I missed the whole briefs, and I this is what happens when you work from home. I don't know half the time if I'm on or not. I think we came back at 9.18 in that segment. So I was talking for six <laughs> minutes before you realized what was happening. Man. Well, at least we got JR on. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I was sitting here on my computer typing away, and I was laughing, like, listening to listen to Jared speak and, and Tyler speak, and Ed nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> and then yelling, hello? Hello? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's best for all. <laughs> oh, that Jeez. was great. Oh, uh, JR, I've got an important question for you because in the state of Kentucky, they passed a law that's going to allow high school seniors to go back to school next year and play sports again. Uh, at any point when you were in high school, did you want to go back for an extra year of high school? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but but I will say this. Right in the state, and, and and Ed can probably answer this too. I mean, his kids are around, you know, the, this this time, you know. But with athletics now, there are two reasons I think that this has been a pass. One is because any athlete that is coming up to the system right now in high school, because of COVID, it jammed everything up at the college level, right? And so now scholarships are far reduced. Um, there, there's not as much because some of those students can stay back and have an extra year of eligibility, which then, you know, obviously doesn't make as much room for other athletes. Um, my opinion has always been, and I tell this to JT, I say, well, then be better. Like, if you're worried about it, then get better. You know, uh, be better than those guys because you have to play with them anyway. Uh, but I do understand where some people come from. We're like, well, if they're going to be holding them up at the, the college level, maybe we give them the option to be held back here as well so that way it kind of alleviates the system to a degree i just think i personally think it just creates more of a problem um but but that's just me i also see you know young athletes now there are a lot of kids that are their parents are holding them back an extra year anyway um there are there you know there are kids that are jt's age jt's a sophomore 
Um, but there are kids that are JT's age that their parents have held them back and they're freshmen this year. Um, it's because maybe they want to give them an extra year to develop, you know, athletically. Um, again, that's, that's for every parent to decide on them, their own. That's not something I do with, with, with our son. Um, but I, I see where some of these decisions can be coming from uh, with the, the log jam that is going to be there for a couple of years. Um, you know, but for me personally, I, I was when I was done. I was done, and when I tell JT is if you want to if you want to play at the next level, just be better and be better than all those guys, whoever they are. Hashtag forgotten class of twenty twenty. Uh, oh God! Yeah. Here we go again um, with the hashtags. Yeah. Oh Lord! I I don't yeah. mind much about going back for a year. I just uh, I'm just waiting for that time where some state includes all of them uh, forgives student loans. That'd be nice. Keep hearing about that, <laughs> uh, but. Anywho, yeah, I, I, did, uh, I did hear you guys talking earlier, though. Like, what would what would these kids like? You know, when I was a senior in high school, because I, I had done my credits, I had basically I didn't have to go to first period, and I didn't, and my last period was baseball, so I didn't really have to do anything, right? It, it was like, yeah. what? Are, so, what are these kids going back for? Uh, you know, like I'm gonna just take shop and wood shop again or whatever. I don't know, but you, maybe they just show up to play baseball. Teach, that would be great. You could teach like a mixologist class, like sixth period. Yeah, I don't know if they would frown on that if you're under 21 <laughs> or if they would be, you know. Well, <laughs> Maybe listen, there's a age thing that comes into play, but uh, I would no, love no, to. JR, Absolutely. They, they got held back a year. They now get an extra year of school. I'm sure some of these yeah. kids are 21 going back to high yes. school. Yeah, That's true. Exactly. They're, they're high school seniors, but they're eligible to drink. It's awesome. Yes, yeah. exactly. Great. <laughs> uh, you gave a today, and we weren't sure about this, and I'm probably wrong about this, did you retweet the rundown with a lemon on it? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. yes, I did. I could, I, yeah, I just I looked at the I looked at it and I'm like, is that a lemon? Uh, yep. And what is he teasing us with? Like, what, why a lemon? <laughs> well, the, the, I, the drink that I'm going to feature today is going to have a, a lemon aspect to it, but uh, okay. it's also it's it's also an homage to the golden helmets that the knights wear which is oh, the greatest helmet in sports oh, and yeah oh. so i can't know. hear you jr you're breaking up uh, what would you say what? it's me again yeah. i've lost you again what's yeah. happening next, hello yeah and, and next week it'll be the the greatest uh logo in sports is unlv's logo but uh yeah i'm here for Woo! that one everyone uh, agrees <laughs> <laughs> but for this week it's the golden helmet so i figured i would do something with lemon to give it that um, that kind of golden cue to pay homage to those wonderful helmets that uh, oh, pulled out an on. overtime win a couple days oh, ago that everybody okay. was bashing, okay. and you know it's the greatest thing in sports. Uh, You're giving oh. them credit for the overtime win when they were zero and two in those before. <laughs> well, you know it's funny. I was thinking ahead. I was like, man. I said, if if they you know lose this game at home with fans. I was, it, it, you know, I was going to say, no more fans. Like, That's can't right. Fans. Kick them out. They're winning. We win without fans. No more fans in the stands. Terrible idea. Losers. <laughs> but then I saw the golden helmets. So I was like, oh, that's going to ruin my, it's going to ruin my idea here. But then they won. And I said, well, now we got to pay respect to those, those beautiful helmets and how great they are. So I figured I would do a drink and, and I named Jeez. it the golden helmet. Company gold. line on this one. My goodness. <laughs> Jeez. Unbelievable. <laughs> Okay, so, so what how, the hell is the golden yeah, helmet? What, what is this? What is the helmet? Yeah, what's the drink? What's that? What's what the is drink? the drink? What, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, as we get into the summertime, and, and a, a big trend that we're seeing in our market 
and, and, and a lot of markets when it comes to alcohol are low alcohol, right? Low ABV, uh, alcohol by volume, spritz style cocktails. They're drinks that are generally something that you can drink more of, right? We talked about this last week as we get in the patio season a little bit and stuff like that. So these drinks usually incorporate uh, more mixers, uh, sparkling and, and a sparkling element of sorts, but they're lower in alcohol. They're still going to get you eventually, but they're lower in alcohol. They're not a very strong drink. They're meant to be enjoyed repeatedly. And so this, for this particular drink, I am going to use one of the newer products that's out on the market. It's called Plume and Petal. Plume and Petal is a, uh, well, there, there are three different flavors of Plume and Petal. There's the, the one that I'm using today is called Lemon Drift. They also have a peach flavor. They also have a cucumber flavor. But the Lemon Drift is nice because it's a hint of elderflower. It also has a bit of white tea, and it's sweetened with honey. They call it technically, or I guess they're calling it a vodka, but in reality, it's not really a vodka because um, it, it's sweetened with honey. So it's more of a liqueur than it is a, a vodka. But if you're looking for the base, it's probably a neutral base, which would be vodka. So, you know, if you use a little bit of that and then keeping on the theme of the things that you kind of have in your house or that you can get easily at the store, because as soon as I say this next ingredient, Ed's going to laugh and say he's never had that in his house. But lemon curd. Uh, which you can buy at any grocery oh. store. Um, uh, it, it, you know, I barely, I barely have lemons. Never mind lemon curd. What are you talking? About? I don't even know what that is. Lemon curd. It, it, lemon curd. You've never had lemon curd. It's incredible. It's great on toast too. So if I you, mean, there's uh, a chance I've had it and not, not known what I was eating. There's always that chance. It, it's 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 basically like a jam or a jelly, but it's it's lemon, it's sugar, it's a little bit of egg, but it's it's in a it's in a um, a jar like like jam or jelly would be, and you'd find it in the same section. And it's just called lemon curd. So it's more of a, a velvety kind of mouthfeel. Um, not so – it's just as sticky as, as jam or jelly is, but uh, just different ingredients, but accentuating the lemon flavor. So if you like lemon, uh, lemon curd is a great way to accentuate the lemon flavor in a drink. Or if you want to put it on your breakfast toast, that's fine too. So we're going to use an ounce and a half of the uh, pe plume and petal lemon. And the reason we're using an ounce and a half and you say, well, it's supposed to be low alcohol. It's because Plume and Petal is low alcohol to begin with. It's only 20% alcohol, so 40 proof. To give you an example, um, a regular vodka is usually 80 proof and 40% alcohol. So it's about half strength of a regular vodka. So we're going to use an ounce and a half of the Plume and Petal lemon. We're going to use just a, like a bar spoon or a tablespoon, if you want, uh, a half of a tablespoon of the lemon curd. You use three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. Okay, and then we're going to use a little bit of uh, like a passion fruit. If you can find a passion fruit um, at the store, you can find it in a in a can usually or um, some sort of a container, like a passion fruit juice or something. When you pull that out, it's usually bright yellow or almost like a golden color. So use a, an ounce of the passion fruit. Shake those ingredients together and you strain it over ice into a large glass, something like a like a goblet or a large wine glass or something like that. And then top it with a little bit, like four ounces of a sparkling element, spark, something brute. Uh, you could use club soda if you want, but if you want to add a little more alcohol, a little more flavor, I would recommend doing like a, a sparkling wine of sorts, something dry, and just top it, give it a little stir, garnish it with a piece of mint and maybe a lemon wheel, and voila, you have uh, a drink that you can enjoy for all of the Golden Knights games when they wear their gold helmets. You can enjoy it by the pool this summer. Uh, you could. I'm, I'm going to make this one for you in studio when we finally get back in there, so you can see how wonderful it is. Uh, but I was, yeah, I was celebrate say, the Golden Knights Golden Helmets with the with this drink, the Golden Helmet. How yellow is this drink? Because it sounds like all yeah. the ingredients are yellow. Yeah. 
Yes, it's very yellow. I mean, it's it, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. That, like it's it's yellow enough, but it's not crazy yellow. I mean, it's 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 kind of yellow golden, and that's the idea. It's it's not as shiny as the Golden Knights helmets. That's for sure. It doesn't well, have what a is? weird finish. <laughs> the, now nothing actually, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what makes that's what makes those things so special. They're awesome. I can't wait. You, Actually, I'm going to buy one in the store if they have one at the store, and I'll just wear it in the uh, studio every time I come in there next time. What the helmet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be great. Well, get a raise if you're going to get one. Listen, uh, <laughs> um, you can get all these ingredients at Liquor World. Yes. Yes, you can get all the ingredients at Liquor World or, or your grocery store, right? The, the lemon curd will be available at the grocery store, um, whatever grocery store you shop at. But, yeah, the, the plume and petal, any of the flavors, um, the, the, the lemon, the peach, or the cucumber, are all available at Liquor World. Along with, it's the same line as the Grey Goose Essences, um, except the Grey Goose Essences are more of a, what you'd consider like a, a flavored vodka. And this is more of a flavored liqueur, but really makes a wonderful addition to your bar. You can use it as a base in cocktails. You could also use it as a, a as a modifier in a cocktail. So a lot of fun to play with and easy to work with because it has this kind of sweet element to it. You could even just put it over ice with a bit of club soda if you don't want to do any of that extra work and really enjoy it as well. It's, it, they really did a really great job with the blue pedal product. Uh, important question for you because you mentioned in there about uh, drinks having a lower alcohol by volume. Are we becoming more lightweight as a country that we need uh, lesser drinks? No, we're becoming more alcoholic as a country because we want to drink more. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than having one and being like, ooh, I'm done, now you say, I'm going to have five, and then I'll be done. <laughs> um, so it's also a way for people to kind of be social, right, if you're out at a bar. It's, it's people are trying to become uh, a little more responsible when it comes to drinking. If, if they're like, okay, well, I have no self-control, so I'm going to have three drinks. I might as well drink these three lower alcohol drinks rather than three of my regular strength drinks um, it, it, because it's, one will get you far more drunk than the other one. Um, but it allows you to be social. It allows you to you know, not get as intoxicated while you're out drinking, especially um, you know, you should be calling a ride anyway, one way or another. But if you're not, um, you know, this is definitely a, a way for you to to enjoy with your friends, but not be as uh, as intoxicated or as highly alcoholic <laughs> as uh, as you would if you drink your regular style drink. I, I, I want to ask you something because this is usually the time, and probably way before it, you've done your um, your drinks, your pool drinks, and stuff like that. With the pandemic and everything, uh, how have you changed in terms of your drinks and what are you creating? Are you just assuming everything's back and you'll be okay to make all your make all your drinks, or are you still holding out because you have no idea what these things are going to look like? Oh no! As a matter of fact, when I told you I was typing away, I am I, I'm getting the pool menus uh, are done usually in they January. They have to be done February. by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the pools are actually opening uh, this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of pools that are opening this weekend. Um, and then there are some pools like the ones at, at, at Circa at stadium swim that's open every single day. Um, but, okay. uh, this, the, these pools now, like the Venetian pools opening this weekend, I believe, um, some of the other pools like, uh, downtown grand and the Plaza hotel, they'll open around, uh, March madness weekend. You know, those, that, that first weekend, um, right after yeah. St. Patrick's day. So, um, you know, you'll get a lot of these pools. This is about the time of year they, they start to open, and they're going to push it a little bit more this year because they're trying to still recoup some of their losses from last year, uh, knowing that they have capacity limits and whatnot. And, you know, listen, I mean, 75 degrees is beautiful outside, but 
to us who live here in Las Vegas, it's probably not a pool day. But people who are visiting, it could very well be a pool day. Um, so they'll try and recoup some of their losses and, and work out the kinks, get things going. So, yeah, the, the pools are, are going to run as normal as they can this year um, and try to recoup some of their losses from last year. But this is about the time they open, so we'll start seeing some of those pools open up this weekend. And, uh, and, and so it hasn't really affected anything that I've done other than a lot of pools didn't ask for new presentations this year. A lot of pools are simply rolling with what they did last year because they have everything before they were really closed down. So they, it's, they're, they're just kind of like, well, we'll just, we never gave it a fair shot last year. We're going to roll with it again, maybe with a few tweaks here and there. But for the most part, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, pools are running with what they were going to do last year. Anyhow. Who's going to the pool? Are Canadians allowed to come to this country yet? I don't know, but people are going to the pool. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, we, you do get a lot of, I, I guess, you know, people from that are coming in from Arizona, Utah, California, or whatnot. And if they're getting out of, especially California, right? If they're getting out of Dodge from California, um, they're bringing the kids up or whatever. Like, you need something to do, and so they go to the pool, and mom and dad will have a few cocktails while the kids, you know, kids have no fear. They'll jump in a pool that's seventy degrees or whatever, how cold it is. They don't care. Uh, mom and dad won't probably, but the kids will. Mom and dad will sit back and have some lunch at the pool and, and hang out and have a few beers or, or cocktails. And so that's what we're finding is happening right now um, with, with people that are coming here. Just They're just trying to get out of Dodge and enjoy something where they can at home. It's still dangerous. If you're going to get out of Dodge, go to the real Dodge. You don't need to come here. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. <laughs> get to Liquor World for all the ingredients. Instagram at J.R. Makes drinks. Uh, tell, get out there and tell your kid to be better. That's what we want all parents to say. Thank you, buddy. That's right. You got it, guys. Take care. Take care. Be oh, better. Boy, that poor kid. I can't believe you made a helmet for the or a drink for the gold oh, helmets. Oh, that's just. And how do we? You're how right. We I mean, how how, ye- how yellow do you have to make it to even come close to that color? Right. We got to ban oh. Jr. He's not allowed <laughs> on the show anymore. If that's what you're doing, hey, we're honoring hey. the gold helmet. <laughs> Jared, it's a pandemic. You don't even get to drink right now. I know, but someday. It's the only thing that's keeping me going. All right, coming up next, if you go to Oklahoma, you can get paid to hunt a Sasquatch. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the dessert menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. The state of Oklahoma has a $2.1 million bounty for Bigfoot. This has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. You ready to go to Oklahoma and hunt Sasquatch, Ed? I don't need to go to Oklahoma. I need to go to Lake Tahoe because Gritty rolled through that uh, those trees just like Bigfoot. So let's capture Gritty and split the money. Nobody's giving us money for Gritty. What are you holding him for well, ransom? Yeah, I was going to yes, say, yes. we're going to oh. take a picture of him with today's okay. review journal. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Gritty is far more popular than Bigfoot. They would pay $2 million to get him back. Philly did, would Philly would uh, come up with the coin. Did you guys see but, that Jose Canseco was supposed to be in, like, negotiations with ESPN Plus to do a Chasing Bigfoot show? <laughs> no. Why? Those already exist. Have either of you ever I, seen those shows? Uh, no, but... I, They're I'm, the funniest thing you've ever seen. It's just like seven white guys running around in the forest convinced that some tree breaking was a Bigfoot. And then they it's it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. And it's like they do that and they have multiple seasons. And the best part of it, 
is you know they're not catching a Sasquatch because if they catch no. a Sasquatch, you'll hear about it before it makes it to this damn reality TV show. Thanks. It's phenomenal. But I do have to say about Oklahoma here, this is actually genius because the reason this bounty exists for a Bigfoot in Oklahoma is there's a state representative in Oklahoma and his goal is to increase tourism. Now, maybe that's not ideal during a pandemic, but basically they got a movie that's coming out at some point in the future about Bigfoot to pitch in $2 million as this bounty. And if anybody comes to Oklahoma and catches a Sasquatch, they get this $2.1 million. They're going to do an entire promotion oh called, called Sasquatch Quest. Like, like Oklahoma's out here trying to drive tourism to their state by saying, yeah, you morons, come look for Bigfoot. And stay in our hotels and eat at our restaurants. It's G. Listen, Oklahoma's tourism is more diverse than ours now. They've got Sasquatch hunters. That's literally the plot of the song Bigfoot by Pork and Havana Ducks. Literally, I'm the man who captured Bigfoot and made a million bucks. Now it's two million. Well, yeah, it's inflation. The song came out in the 70s. How about the lieutenant governor? We were concerned with an idea of sending people into the woods to trap a Bigfoot. We certainly didn't want to harm any individuals, comma, or Bigfoot for that matter. It's a mythical creature. You're not going to harm Bigfoot. No, no. It's real, Ed. It's real. Also, by the way, by the way, if you catch Bigfoot, you would be stupid to turn that in for $2 million for the state of Oklahoma. That would be the dumbest possible thing you could do with your captured Bigfoot. Because I imagine if you catch Bigfoot, you're now the most popular human on the face of the earth. Except if you get another million for uh, double upping and uh, getting the Loch Ness Monster as well. Like, (laughs) if you you add the Loch Ness Monster, you get another million, three million. So just stay out there. They said there's a bigfoot statue between 20 and 30 feet in front of a gas station i guess that's not i guess i guess you can't roll that in and get the money that does not count oh no. my god uh, it, the, and bigfoot has to be alive and you can't harm him they like like the lieutenant oh. uh, governor said you don't they don't want dead bigfoot they need to live unharmed bigfoot i the, mean and while you're at it get him house broke <laughs> i mean <laughs> you're right though if i if i capture bigfoot with you two we're not putting. We're not giving him no. any two millions. Nothing. We're we're holding out, negotiating. We, we are literally going to whatever sporting event we want for free because <laughs> yeah. we're going to go. <laughs> With we'll Bigfoot. bring Bigfoot. <laughs> That's what you're dreaming of, Jared. Is going to any sporting event for free? You capture a Bigfoot I, in the I, first I, place I, you go. Is yeah. I can get free tickets. I'm dreaming of retiring if yes. I would ever get Bigfoot. Yes. Jared wants to go watch the Mets and the Padres yes. play. Whenever I want. Whenever I want, damn it. Like, is your idea here that Bigfoot's going to beat up the team that doesn't let us in for free? Yes. Is that what you're thinking here? No, I'm just saying, like, and, and yeah, he'll the people who paid on Bigfoot Day for at that, you know. The, Bigfoot Day. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Dodger Stadium, we get to go in for free because yeah, it's Bigfoot Day, and it's like we have yeah. So oh, I mean, so two you're... million. Dude, the more you think about it, two million's a joke. You 
you could capture this one and just bring people in to see him like a carnival acting. You'd make right? $2 million and probably eat. I mean, what $2 million? If I capture this guy, you're going to give me a lot more than that. Yeah, so it sounds a little inhumane, Ed, but yes. Yes, that's, that was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just we, saying, it's Bigfoot. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm just mean. saying, a lot of people don't like so, the circus anymore, and you're trying to create a one-man circus with Bigfoot. Yeah, Ed has, so I have I have Bigfoot basically being the, like, attraction on Fan Bobblehead Day, <laughs> and Ed has him at the county fair. Yes! <laughs> and I'm making more money. Right, right next to the booth where you got to throw the darts and pop the balloons, yes. you can see Bigfoot. Yes. See don't Bigfoot. don't miss and accidentally hit Bigfoot, or it'll rip out of the cage, and it'll be uh, over for all of us. I am I am pumped about the state of Oklahoma. This is one of the smartest things I've ever seen somebody okay. do from the state of Oklahoma. Okay, so genuinely though, going back to Jose Canseco, <laughs> his show was supposed to take place here. Here, yeah. He was going to go find Bigfoot in the desert. Where, Red Rock? I don't well, know. Where is he going to find Bigfoot around, Bigfoot around here? That, he's Jose Canseco. <laughs> His finger fell off. I, well, I'll tell you what. I don't know. He's not out in Summerland. I, I, I can guarantee you that. I've driven around here enough to know Bigfoot's not around. This is this is the worst place to do it. Like he would have to yeah. go to the casinos and pretend yeah. like the power went out and Bigfoot walked across the hallway or something. <laughs> the whole the whole the only reason the Bigfoot hunter shows work in reality TV is because they go into the woods at night and nobody can see anything. Yeah. No, it can just be the camera guy threw a rock at a tree and they're like, oh, that was Bigfoot. This it could just is, be yeah, their friend that's... over the hill making a loud noise. <laughs> this is that's the great thing of it. A branch breaks, and they're, like, all excited. Whoa, was that him? Was that him? Oh. This is from the Las Vegas Journal Review. Jose Canseco will take you Bigfoot hunting in Las Vegas. That is from 2019 by John Katz. We can go right now? Cost five grand. What? What? To hunt Bigfoot in a desert. What are we getting for five grand? Jose you're, hang, Canseco. Yeah, you're hanging out with Jose Canseco and he'll tell you what Madonna was like. He drives us out to the <laughs> desert and does what? There's nothing there. Like he's got a fake Sasquatch footprint out there to say, oh, this is where he was. We got eyes on him. Is his brother in a gorilla suit? Oh, maybe McGuire's in the gorilla suit. McGuire? <laughs> McGuire they, they brought him back and it's it's the... Bash Brothers again. Coming to you next month for $4,000 Sasquatch hunting with the press box. Hmm.